1: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast, with your hosts Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage, from National Signing Day to the National Championship, and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, that's Tom Fernelli. Looking great. Repping that I L L, the big. 10 champions. The real Big 10 champions coming off that overtime win against Ohio State on CBS, uh, the network of stars. And uh, and of course they're the one seed in the Midwest region. Uh, NCAA tournament. There, that is all the rage this week. We've got for you here on the Cover 3 podcast an in-depth look at the SEC. We're doing the SEC East today, the SEC West later in the week. But we are all putting together our brackets. We're crunching it and we want to compete against you. That's right you. We have our own Cover 3 podcast bracket challenge game. I'm in there, Tom's in there, Buds in there, Danny's in there, I got Coca's in there and we want you in there as well. Join us at cbssports.com slash Cover 3, and the winner gets a prize. And who enters just one pool? You can also, when you enter the Cover 3 podcast pool, you can create your own pool and find your own group of friends, compete against them, jump in a public pool, and compete against them. And all of it's available at cbssports.com slash Cover 3 brackets. Again, that's CBSports.com slash Cover 3 brackets cbssports.com slash cover three brackets you can fill out your bracket for a chance to win a nissan rogue and a trip to the 2022 final four play on the cbs sports app or at cbssports.com slash cover three brackets we got a lot of teams to get to uh but before we do tom i i do believe that you know it is your, your feelings on uh, getting hosed by the committee where you're catching like one of the best four seeds you're catching one of the best eight seeds i mean they're really trying to make illinois earn it uh on the way to the final four
1: i that's fine i mean i i would just like to, we're we're the one seed for a reason in the bracket chip nobody scares me if, if you're going to win a national title you're going to have to beat good teams along the way and then I know that you guys don't understand that because I'm sitting here with a couple four-seeds and an eight-seed, so I'm really, really slumming it here with the three of you. But, yeah, you know, the only thing I think it's worse for Loyola because Loyola is a team that is in the top ten in both Ken Palm and the net rankings, which are rankings, you know, that measure how good a team is. And it's an eight-seed in the tournament, meaning – and it gets the ACC tournament champion in the first round, and if it beats them – It's got to play the best team in the country in the second round. That's not fair to Loyola. So I feel bad for the other teams in Illinois' bracket. And by the way, to the listeners, if you do join our bracket, and you should, make sure you pick Illinois to win it all. Because if you don't, I will find out where you live. And one day, your doorbell will ring, and you will come to the door, and you will find me peeing on your door. You don't want that to happen. (laughs) So make sure you join our bracket, and you pick the Illini to win it all.
0: Has everybody joined, by the way? That's your homework assignment. In addition to preparing for the SEC West when we're done, make sure you get in there. My, I, I went in and I filled yeah. it in last night, dropped it in. It was the very first place. We have to turn in an expert bracket on the college basketball side for CBS sports. And I needed a bracket to fill out. That could be my bracket to turn into Darst. And I was like, well, here we go. And cover three, that was patient zero. So here we go. Bama over Illinois counted up. Let's go. What? Bama over Illinois. We're winning football and basketball. Roll Tide.
1: I already know your address, Chip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to seeing you on my doorstep. Uh, See you next week, pal. (laughs) Let's go ahead and dive in. So we are uh, currently um, under questioning. Uh, There is an internal investigation into our level of being a Georgia pod. But for the moment, and for this SEC East uh, spring gleaning episode, I am going to go in the uh, order of finish, which means that the Gators are going to get first uh, first dibs here. The Florida Gators eight and two uh, in the SEC in the ten game SEC schedule. They take a loss in the SEC championship game to Alabama, close loss on the final score, uh, as we've discussed several times. It did feel like one of those games where Alabama established the lead and then just sort of kept them at arm's length. But still, you look up, Florida had a chance there at the end. Uh, Then uh, the Gators would go on to lose with a whole lot of opt-outs in their bowl game. The offseason since the conclusion had initial positivity. Uh, Demarcus Bowman, former five-star running back from Clemson, announced he's going to transfer to Florida. Eric Gilbert, former five-star tight end at LSU, says he's going to transfer to Florida. But... But, 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 Gilbert's not going to be at Florida. So uh, we've got a lot of pieces to fill in. As we talked about when we discussed Gilbert, you're already losing Kadarius Tony and Trevon Grimes in addition to Kyle Pitts. And while you've got some names behind them with uh, Jacob Copeland, Justin Shorter, Xavier Henderson, sort of the, the Kemore Gamble and Keon Zipperer at tight end, expecting somebody to step up right there. This to me offensively is all about the Emory Jones show. What does the offense look like with him? Uh, not as a featured piece, but as the, the full-time starter defensively, it's a kind of a gut check season for Todd Grantham, uh, for this defensive front, you could run on the Gators last year. And and that became really problematic. And just the images of Dan Mullen fuming at Todd Grantham on the sidelines, you know, from the transition at quarterback to the, uh, the defensive side of the ball Gator Dan, uh, what's, where are you looking at here for, um, for the Gators in terms of the things you want to learn this spring?
2: Um, the development of every Jones, like how different is this offense going to look? Uh, it is a position though, that you trust Dan Mullen with, because I think he's, you know, sometimes we use that term, uh, that term, you know, quarterback guru or quarterback whisperer, and it's a little bit overrated and some, but some guys, uh, ride that reputation without having a full body of work about it. But one thing Dan Mullen has proven, uh, over the course of time is he will, play to his quarterback strengths, which I think is really uh, an important uh, role for him to play as coach when he works around Emory Jones. But that being said, like, I know, I know Emery Jones is athletic. I know he's going to be more of a run threat, but Kyle Trask threw for 4,200 yards and 43 touchdowns. That is a ton of offensive production. Now I don't think Emery Jones is going to do that, nor I think that should be the expectation, but they were a really, really good offense. How does it look? Can they capture those types of numbers? And sure, I think their defense will look better. There's no way they can be as bad as they were against the rush last year where they gave up 170 yards a game on the ground. So I think there'll be a little bit room for growth as like Emery Jones is kind of adapting. Uh, The team will be able to – the defense should be better. But I think overall, like this is really a fascinating year for Dan Mullen because I feel like it's almost – it's almost going to be right back in the SEC East championship game and they beat Georgia again. And even though George is the favorite or it's going to be another eight and four type season, which I feel after this year, I know there were less games, but I feel like it would be a massive letdown. And there might be some, what, you know, some just kind of irritated Gator fans if they're not right back there. Then again, this year,
3: I've, I think they'll be pretty good. Um, I, I, here, here's the thing, right? Dan Mullen as Danny mentioned, is a really good developer of quarterbacks, but he also has a really big history of working specifically with running quarterbacks. In fact, last year's offense was a stark departure from anything that he's done before. Even if you look at Dak Prescott's progression there at Mississippi State, he started off as a guy that they used very Tim Tebow-like, and then slowly over the years, his progression as a passer uh, occurred. And, and you know, to his and Mullen's credit he got drafted and now he's starting for the Cowboys and and it just got very wealthy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is we've seen how they sort of want to use Emory Jones. I know that some Florida fans are a little bit disappointed that they are not going to have this wide open passing offense quite as much this year, but if there's a guy who I'm like, "Mm, man, I really wish I could find the coach and offensive coordinator. Who's good with mobile quarterbacks and and making the defense defend all 11 in the run game. uh, It's, it's Dan Mullen, right? I, I have, Basically, no concerns about that. And Dan Mullen will find a way to, to score points. He he pretty much always does, regardless, especially when he has some decent level of players. I've been hearing some good things from the Swamp 24-7 podcast with, with, uh, with Thomas and Blake about Xavier Henderson, uh, you know, who obviously is a big-time receiver prospect that, that they signed. He, he's a guy with really, really nice speed, and maybe he can step up there opposite Jacob Copeland. I, I really don't have any concerns about them, offensively as far as still being good. I don't know if they'll be as... They won't be as good as they were this year, but this is kind of a special year. And I think defensively, they could take a jump. That's going to be a nasty defensive line. I don't think there's many teams in the league that can block them. And I think they're, they're you know their linebackers will be better. And, uh, you know, like the secondary, I think, should be... They're going to play more man coverage this year. Apparently they had too many too many guys confused last year. So some new coaches, and that's that's kind of what I got on, on the Gators.
0: Oh, that's a little Bef- long there. Before you weigh in there, Tom, that is one of my favorite uh, spring practice adages. We're simplifying everything, boys. Like, that's the number one way to get the fans off your back. It's like, you know, we're going to be simple. We're going to let them play aggressive and just let them go out there and be athletes.
1: Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I think this is an interesting situation, and I agree with Danny and Bud for pretty much everything that you've said, where I, if... I think the SEC East as a whole, and we're going to get into it in the rest of the show, is really interesting in 2021 because as we've talked about on prior shows, with like the free year of eligibility with so many schools and for every player, we're seeing a ton of returning production come back across the country. But if you look at the SEC East as a whole and the returning production in Bill Connolly's rankings, this is a division where pretty much the entire division is on the very low end of returning production. Missouri has is ranked the highest in returning production, and they're sixth. Everybody else is in like the 70s, 90s, or the 100s. Florida's 108th. It's 125th on offense. And I think that kind of what Danny was talking about, the most interesting thing for me with Florida is they lose all that production, and it's not just finding the guys that are going to come in, but it's going to be the style of play. Because as Bud said, last year was kind of the outlier for what Dan Mullen offenses do we typically do not see that kind of it was practically an air raid offense for the most part like they barely ran the ball when they did run the ball they weren't very good at it and Danny you mentioned the amount of passes that Kyle Trask threw last year and the replacing with Emory Jones a kid who in 24 games as a collegiate college football quarterback has thrown 86 passes total Mm. so Clearly, things are going to look a lot different, but this is still a really talented team. And while there's not a ton of production coming back, most of the production that is returning is on the defensive side of the ball. And this was a Florida defense that last year I thought was pretty bad. At the beginning of the season and got better as the year went along, although it was still it never approached anything that I considered to be exceptionally good. But I think that that's going to continue. That growth will continue going into 2021 where they're going to be better on that side of the ball. They're going to look different on the offensive side of the ball. And this is a team with a high floor. What concerns me, though, look at that schedule. Like, yeah, you've got to play Georgia because you always have to play Georgia. But from the West, you got your typical, you know, your annual game with LSU, which mm-hmm. is in Baton Rouge this year. But you also get Alabama third game of the season. You're playing the Tide, So you look at that. Those are three very possible losses, Alabama at LSU and Georgia. Then you've tossed in your you know, rivalry game with Florida State. You get Mizzou on the road. That could be a tough game this year this is the kind of situation where like I like you were saying Danny I could see Florida being like a very good eight and four team again
3: yeah I I think that's fair right I I, if Florida fans have a complaint it's like they're not recruiting on that Georgia Bama level but I don't think any Florida fans think that the bottom is going to fall out of this thing Dan Mullen's a very good game day coach I think he's a pretty good manager of the program I mean I guess a decent question is like, what what do they need to do to just take that next step, whether it occurs this year or, or next year Um, is is Danny frozen by the way, or is he meditating? I think he might. Danny is frozen Bye, Danny. There he is. Um, I'm here. Like I, I think their interior offensive line would be pretty good. You know, tackle still has some question marks. They, they need to, to do a little bit better job of recruiting and developing the tackle position, but basically everybody wants tackles and God just doesn't make that many guys that big who can move. So, you know, welcome to the club. Can Um, you
0: take us through the defensive line? You mentioned that you, you like that defensive line and I I, I will, I'll be honest that I don't, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. And uh, I I would love to hear a little bit more about some of those, because I'm sure it's names that have been coming up and they've been working on developing to be able to get them to play at a high level. Cause I did not think that that, I did not think the defense as a whole played at a very high level last year.
3: I thought the D line kind of sucked last year and I, I think it's going to be much better this year uh, for this reason. And I, we, we talked about this on, on the you know, RIP Barton and Bud podcast. So Kyrie Campbell was out for a lot of the year for Florida and they were having to play some dudes out of position because they were pretty thin there. they have done a poor job of, of recruiting the defensive tackle position in the first two, first two cycles that Mullen was there, which isn't much of a surprise because it's hard to establish those relationships. Right? So with Kyrie Campbell out, he was a big part of that defense. he, he probably get drafted this year he, he declared for the draft they had to play zach carter who's their start you know starting strong side end there on the inside and he just really didn't have the bulk to hold up and then at the other spot they had to Darryl slayton who you know was often not in great shape uh, and then they also had uh, javon dexter who we had as a five star on 24 7 sports so i think will be one of the best defensive linemen in the entire entire country this year assuming he takes another step which i anticipate he will do but i think the key thing this, this year is they went out and they, they went to auburn and they got Daquan Newkirk, who's already kind of, you know, getting some good good press and practice. They got Antonio Shelton out of Penn State, who could be a decent nose guard for them. Dexter takes another step. They have better depth at that position this year, but it allows guys like Brenton Cox, who, who's coming back, you know, to, to play more of his natural position. He doesn't have to play that strong side spot at all because Carter is not having to kick inside. And that allows Carter to kick back outside, you know, to his normal strong side position. I, I just think, you know, everybody slides back to their their regular position. They got a little bit better depth, and some of the young studs they did recruit last year should be even better this year. So I, I think they're going to take a big step there.
0: Good to know. Javon Dexter.
2: Uh, two quick things. Can I just say two quick yeah, things? Yeah. One, I don't think anybody out, anyone in their right mind, is going to pick any team other than Florida, Georgia. The East looks kind of, I mean, the SEC East has been wide open for a while, uh, and it was bad behind Georgia. And now at least there's two teams, but below those two, it doesn't, I mean, about the schedule like you should chalk up wins versus everybody else in the east if you're Florida the other thing is I think that you know Nick Fitzgerald I was looking back at his stats I think this offense might look more similar to that where he had two seasons in his four-year starting he rushed for over a thousand yards 15 touchdowns a little bit you know more of a balance running pass you can get that offense production but my question is what if Emery Jones stumbles like what if he's not a great quarterback or a good quarterback like is there like, yes. is that concern anybody? Because like Tom was saying, we sure haven't seen enough of him. He had opportunities to play a lot, even last year when Kyle Trask was kind of, you know, okay, not great. This year, no problem sitting on the bench. But Emery Jones had opportunities to take that job for him and never did. I just, like, that's the other kind of unknown scenario where, yeah, he's highly recruited. He's shown flashes. Everyone likes him. But when he's the guy for 12 games, what if it's not great? Like, then what? Is there, they have a guy. I know their situation behind him. It doesn't look great, though.
3: So they 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 have a guy they signed who, who was pretty highly recruited uh, in Anthony Richardson. He's actually fr- from Gainesville. Uh, they are built kind of similar, Jones Richardson, but Jones is more athletic. Richardson is a little bit more sturdy. More, I would say, he's like a pocket guy who has more mobility than um, you know than, than Kyle Trask did. But like I, I, it wouldn't totally shock me if they have a quarterback controversy at some point this year because Richardson got a lot better junior or senior year, and I think the guy can play. So given Mullen's ability to coach quarterbacks, I'm just very confident at least one of those two dudes will emerge.
0: You know, just a, a really good small forward for Florida State, just, you know, getting out there. Uh, pri- pride of uh, Leesville Road High School. Shout out to Anthony Richardson. All right, the Georgia Bulldogs last year 7-2, and two. Went on to beat Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl, to finish eight and two. Uh the the offseason conversation starts with JT Daniels, without a doubt, and just the the little glimpses of what we got to see about a, a JT Daniels led Georgia offense. You know, George Pickens, the the talent has been there. And I would say that the production per game uh, feels like it hasn't really clicked yet, but you know that at any moment there could be a huge leap and the quarterback production obviously goes hand in hand with some of that. Uh, elsewhere at wide receiver, you got Jermaine Burton and might get Dominique Blaylock back from injury, though I'm not sure if that would be uh, this spring. Up front, offensive line coach Matt Luke is going to be doing some mixing and matching. I'm really excited to you know get the little bit of nuggets. Uh, you know, we had a I joked about Virginia football, how it's hard to get information during uh, spring practice because we're so obsessed with basketball and lacrosse, and we've got everything else going on. Now Georgia and Bull- they
3: haven't started yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they don't like, like, start for like another month, I, th- I, I, I think.
0: Georgia Bulldogs will give you everything. You, you, got practice, you got practice notes all over the place about who's who's playing with who, mixing and matching. They lose Trey Hill and Ben Cleveland, return uh, three offensive line starters, but I, I do think that there's going to be some shifting there. They should be good. I mean, they've been recruiting there really well. Uh, speaking of talent, up front, they're still sick. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Julian Rochester, Javon Walker, Devontae Wyatt, but in the secondary things are starting to get a little thin. Uh, I think that one of our favorite uh, X's and O's terms of the Cover 3 podcast of 2021, umbrella coverage. But I believe you hearkened to umbrella coverage when uh, talking about the Georgia Bulldogs recently. But we've got to figure out who's going to step in for uh, some big-time losses that the Bulldogs took there. So the the JT Daniels-led Georgia Bulldogs, uh, Georgia, Florida, everybody else, you know, what? what is most interesting to you? What do you think we can learn about Georgia uh, this spring?
1: I don't know if there's a ton we can learn. I, I, I think that going into the spring and then going into the fall, this is a team that, like Danny was saying, there's two teams in the East you're going to pick to win the division this year. It's Georgia or Florida. And I understand, like, if you look at Georgia, JT Daniels, like you said, Chip, obviously the headliner, the thing you want to pay attention to. They didn't lose a game once he became the starter. Granted, The competition for three of those games wasn't much, but they beat a good Cincinnati team in the bowl game. It's The concern is on the defensive side of the ball where they lose so much, but it's kind of like what we were just talking about with Florida and Dan Mullen where they lose a ton on offense. It's like, well, when Dan Mullen's your coach, you're not that concerned about Florida's ability to figure out a way to score points with a Kirby smart team. And then just the way Georgia has recruited I'm not that concerned about Georgia figuring out a way to play defense. And I do think that the secondary is a concern and it's kind of like, it reminds me of the same situation or same place I was at with Ohio state at this time last year. It was like the front seven is going to be fine. If there's a, if there's a weak spot, it'll be the secondary. And we saw it throughout the season. Ohio state's defensive weakness was in the secondary didn't stop them from winning the Big Ten or getting to the playoff or getting to the college football playoff title game. And I think Georgia kind of reminds me of that same situation where, yeah – It's going to be a weakness, but it's the kind of weakness that is probably only going to really pop up in one or two games at most, especially if Florida transitions back to more of a running quarterback kind of offense that we've seen with Dan Mullen instead of the air raid we saw last year. Then I think Georgia matches up better with them in 2021 than they would have against the 2020 Florida offense. So Alabama, again, becomes that, you know that roadblock can you get past them to win the sec and get to the to the playoffs so that is a concern but as far as what we can learn this fall i i don't think there's a lot i think it's just going to be a lot of competition i think a lot of guys are going to be maybe getting a a foot in the door or maybe, you know, taking a little bit of a head start at winning some jobs. So I think that is the most interesting part to follow. But I I don't think we're going to come out of this after Georgia's spring game and with like a lot of clear-cut answers. Or maybe we do, and it's just pretty much, all right, well, we know exactly what it looks like. I'm just so
3: excited to see their play-action game this year. I mean, like they there is some mixing and matching on the offensive line, but I think finally it's like mixing and matching as a result of, I think it's a, a good thing. Having a decent number of options.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, the, as I was like looking around for research, it was a mixing and matching with like a, we're right. excited to move some people around to put them into more natural positions.
1: Yeah, there's like, there's
3: they had no to play Jamari Sawyer outside <laughs> last year.
0: Right, he can kick into guard.
3: He's one of the best guard prospects we've ever seen. Like that guy's incredibly light on his feet and he's like 330. So that that's just not, like I think it really says something about his ability that he was able to play tackle for them in a pinch last year and did it, admirably but now you put him inside you know we know warren McClendon's a good player they have some young guys they've recruited who are really good players as well who i think are going to challenge those guys i, I think this george offensive line will be improved and, and uh think about receiver there right there's a lot of names that you kind of in your head like okay that guy's been there a long time like he's had to move on but no like, look pickens is still there kiaris jackson is still there jermaine burton i mean it's only what a second or third year now um I think the name to watch is going to be Arian Smith. Scored a long, long touchdown in the Cincinnati yeah. game. Uh, was anytime you're like the fastest guy in the state of Florida as a recruit, <laughs> like that—that's something we take notice of. And and he is like he's a legitimate track guy uh, and and a big time deep threat. So if he can be healthy, I think, man, I just think Georgia's going to be pretty decent on offense and defensively. It's I, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the secondary. The uncertainty in the secondary bothers me in a way that the uncertainty on the offensive line does not because I'm not as confident that they have like awesome answers there. I'm pretty confident they, they have some really nice answers on the offensive
0: line. But the quarterback that scares me the most in the SEC East is Connor Bazelak. So this is a good point, right? Like, who is going to torch Georgia
3: on this schedule? In the SEC? It's DJ Uyunglele,
0: and that's about There's it. There's no
3: Bama on this schedule. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they their West draw is Arkansas-Auburn. It sets I mean, up nice. Got to be ready for Clemson opening week, certainly. But, like, I think they'll be pretty damn good. Um, you know, maybe Latavius Brini or or Poole or maybe Amir Speed steps up. They, there are some names that we liked as recruits coming out, right, who have some talent. This is this is a lot to lose, though. Like, let, let's let's not sugarcoat this if we're going to you know, be super happy about the offensive line. I mean, Tyson Campbell's gone. Stevenson transferred. There, there's some important guys who left there.
0: Without a doubt. But
3: I think they'll be good. Do you think they're a national championship type
1: good? Oh, I think they have that potential, yeah. And Oh, man. And here we clicks. are. Here we are again. Another year. I'm already talking myself into Georgia. But, yeah, I, I just think that when you look at like the talent that Kirby has amassed on this roster, the way the schedule sets up, the way that everybody else has so much to replace. They have what's probably the best QB in the division. They probably have the best defense in the division. It's like, so I, yeah, I, I, it's just going to be, do they play like that? Clemson game is going to be huge, but because they either win that game and, oh my God, now they're probably definitely going to the playoff, no matter what happens, or they lose that game. And it all comes down to if they win the division anyway, can they beat Alabama because do they get in with two losses? So it's just, yeah, they're going to either have the resume or not. And I just think that when you look at the whole picture, yes, there are concerns. Every team in this division has concerns. And at the end of the day, I still have more confidence in Georgia in the East than I do anybody else. And I have more confidence in Georgia than I'd probably do anybody else in the conference besides Alabama.
0: I'm totally ready to defend – selection committee putting georgia like a at, at number five and just like from the jump even even with even if they take like two losses or something like i don't care they're good they're really really good Do they deserve a shot at the national championship i don't know we're just looking for the four best teams
2: all I mean, right i have no idea if my connection is working or we not got you <laughs>
0: All right, I've been in and out the whole
2: podcast. I, I'm t- hopefully, it's spring break, so kids are home from school all day. Oh, man. Streaming music by the pool, watching Netflix, everything else that's being done out here. Uh, I did catch your conversation on.
3: He gone. I think Danny is saying that his kids were watching Paramount Plus, not
0: Netflix.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Paramount Plus has... Everything you could want as a parent and as a family shows for all kinds. It
0: does. It's a mountain of entertainment. Mm -hmm. All right, Danny. Got us. Oh, sad day. All right, well, Danny works on this. Cover 3 listeners, we want to tell you what our friends at Sportsline are up to during Bracket Week. Get every pick, every play, every upset, and fill out your bracket with the help of some of the best sports data analysts in the game. Visit Sportsline now to see which teams will make or break your bracket and see who cuts down the nets. All from a model that beat nearly 90% of brackets last tournament. Just two years ago, uh, one year after finishing in the top 5%. Again, sportsline.com. Go and check it out to see all of the options for Bracket Week. They have all the tools that you need to be able to absolutely crush your bracket.
1: Do any of us think it's a coincidence that during the SEC show, Danny's connection goes out like, is the SEC sabotaging Danny Cannell? That's what I want to
0: know. When people are... People are asking questions. I'm just asking the question. I'm just, all. yeah, I know people are saying, and, and what is, what is your response to the fact that people are asking these questions?
1: We need to, people deserve answers. Um,
0: you should find them. All right. If Danny gets back, I'll, I'll let him uh, take us back to Georgia, but I want in the interest of time, let's uh, let's, let's keep rocking uh, the Missouri Tigers year one with the alpha nerd, lot of great sound bites for the Missouri football social media team shouts to you. We, we love that you listen, even as, uh, as, as we might've picked on Missouri a little bit in our preseason win totals, but, uh, five and five for year one. And we mentioned Connor Basilak. I, I do mean that like, outs like if you are Georgia you have JT Daniels if you are Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning the quarterback in your division that probably scares you the most is Connor Baezlek who had a very very good 2020 now things are going to get you know a little bit more difficult once we start to get dig into the nitty gritty uh like Damon Hazelton the Virginia Tech Transfer did a lot of good work for him, but he's gone. Uh, Wide receivers, who's going to be stepping up there? Speaking of players that are gone, how about some just like ninth year Missouri all-stars? Larry Roundtree, the third, uh, you know, he just all through the career record books, a fantastic career with Missouri, but not a ton of, um, you know, not a ton of production to go around otherwise. Uh, Nick Bolton at linebacker, just somebody else who was just around forever. And, uh, Tom, you mentioned the SEC East in the returning production rankings and that Missouri was at the front. Missouri not only has some returning production that leads the division, they've also got like a a very skewed old team. They have uh, 47 fourth-year players or more. What I mean by that is they've got 19 redshirt juniors, they've got 16 seniors or redshirt seniors, and 12 graduate players. So whether it's a redshirt senior or graduate players, 47 of them have got at least four years of lettering in college football. It's a very, very old team. Will that experience end up uh, proving to be an advantage? I imagine if you're Eli Drinkwitz, uh, it cannot hurt. So uh, Tom, as you're starting to look through Missouri and you're starting to count up uh, either the questions or concerns, what really stands out?
1: There's two things. I think that if you're handicapping this division, if it's not Florida or Georgia, like both teams are beset by a bunch of injuries and disasters. I think Mizzou is the first team of the rest of the division that you look at as, okay, that's that's our other potential candidate to maybe be this shocking team and win the division because of what you mentioned. I think that Connor lack as a freshman, once he took over that job, I mean, he, he, had, a, he had a good season. He had freshman moments, but there was plenty there to give you optimism about what he's going to be for that team and that offense going forward. So that's a good start. Problem is, on the other side of the ball, that defense was, it wasn't awful. It gave up a lot of points, and I think a lot of that was red zone struggles more than anything. Like, they played, you know, the umbrella defense, and then when they got to the red zone roulette, they, they did not have a lot of success there. And I think that if we see just some natural regression and improvement on that we could see the defense take a step forward so i think we need to find that balance of if Connor basilak takes that step forward as a sophomore and improves and if that defense gets a little better at least making teams settle for field goals and maybe you know not even letting them get that far force a few more turnovers then this is suddenly a team that hey maybe this is an eight win nine win kind of team because when you look at their schedule. It's not every SEC schedule is difficult, but it's not as big of a bear as it could be. You get home, you get Tennessee at home in Tennessee. We, we're going to talk about soon. It's kind of coming off. You know, it, it's going to be a transition here. You get South Carolina at home. That's a winnable game. Florida, that's always going to be a tough game, but you get it at home. Your road games are Kentucky, which is winnable Vanderbilt, which is winnable Georgia, which you're probably not winning no matter where it's played at. And then the non-con isn't really a beast either. Like you get Boston College on the road, but you've also got Central Michigan and Southeast Missouri. So I see a path to eight or nine wins for the Tigers in 2021 if a couple things happen. And the things that need to happen really aren't all that crazy to see happening. I I actually agree. I I think this is pretty clearly
3: the number three team in the East. Uh, Speaking of which, if you're an SC West team and you're a coach who's facing a little bit of heat, this is an excellent year to place, to play some SC East teams in the cross division. Uh, yeah. As long we as got, you don't get Florida and Georgia, like this is, this is some wins to get.
0: We got three uh, new first year coaches and all yeah. of them are inheriting very, very difficult situations. Exactly. Uh, I, I guess what,
3: when you talk about a team like Missouri, I have a little bit less confidence that they are, you know, quite as able to replace a guy like a round tree or, or like Nick Bolton, right? Like, you know, Tyler Batty did a good job for them. Can he be an every down back as opposed to just an all-purpose guy? But I I think he probably can. I would expect there's some drop-off there. I guess that's something that they'll want to learn, you know, this spring. I, also, like, their distribution at receiver, just looking at this, was kind of all over the place. I mean, they had four dudes who caught 30 balls and another who caught 27. So I'm interested to see, like, who is the guy that's actually going to emerge for them and, and be, like, a true number one, or even like a a true number two. They basically had like four number threes, you know, last year. And their offense, I I think, struggled at times you know, because of that, although it got better uh, once they figured out, you know, who the right quarterback uh, was for them and Connor. Like defensively, this is interesting. I was talking to somebody over there. They're going to put less responsibility on the corners this year and play a little bit less man coverage, whereas we just talked about Florida looking to play more man coverage. And, and, you know, maybe that makes sense for both programs, right? Florida has really nice speed in the secondary and uh, and athletes, and Missouri doesn't recruit quite that caliber. And so maybe not asking those guys to do quite as much. But I I do think they'll have pretty nice safety play. And so maybe putting some a little bit less responsibility on the corners makes some sense.
1: Yeah, I think, too, like if you look at the way – their recruiting class went in in you know Drinkwitz's first year it's a solid recruiting class they had a lot of success in the st louis area with a couple four stars and high rated three stars they got a transfer from ohio state and mookie cooper who was a four star coming out of high school in the st louis area went to ohio state he's transferred back home to mizzou he's kind of like a tutu at Well-ish kind of player who i think could be very useful in that missouri offense i think that this is i mean Maybe we don't see the eight or nine wins right away this year. Although, like I said, I do think we're setting up for some success. But I think that this is a program that at the very least is heading in the right direction. And like you were mentioning, Chip, it's doing so at the right time where there are three programs within this division that are pretty much completely starting over.
0: Yeah, they uh, their recruiting in the St. Louis area was the subject of a mailbag question that I cannot find. So thanks, listener. And don't forget, if you want to jump in on the mailbag, you can do so by leaving five-star review. And in that review, put your question. We will add it to the big old bag of mail. Uh, One of the things that we're asking from the mailbag for this particular week is we saw the news. We got the news in the middle of a podcast that Michigan State was going to be sponsored by Rocket Mortgage. Now, everyone dunked on it. They had to release another statement just to clarify that we're not going to be calling them the Michigan State uh, sponsored by Rocket Mortgage Spartans at every turn. However, uh, I still think the the game is still there. So get in on the five-star mailbag and let us know. Uh, what you think would be some ideal sponsorships for college football teams. It could be your favorite team. It could be your rival. Uh, and we want to hear from you again, all in the five-star mailbag coming up on the other side. We do have three first year coaches in the division, but first someone who's been there a minute, he's been building. We're going to go talk about the Kentucky Wildcats next Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage
0: match limited by state law. Kentucky went four and six in the regular season last year, added a Gator Bowl win against NC State to uh, finish five and six overall Uh, as we look to the upcoming season we do have a change at offensive coordinator they're bringing in uh liam cohen to direct artsy movies and call the offense he's got an nfl background uh, and you know the quarterback position is going to be interesting i I guess that we're going to go with Bo Allen, but Joey Gatewood's still there. And Will Levis, who kind of flashed for a a hot minute, is going to be joining the program in the summer. So Will Levis, not going to be there for spring practice, but something to keep in mind. uh, Nick Scalza and Kaya Sharon rounding out that quarterback room in Lexington. Offensively, uh, we remember that Christopher Rodriguez was a little bit of kind of a, a battering ram, uh, to, you, running behind that good offensive line, and that offensive line should should be pretty strong again. But the game changer here is Wandale Robinson, right, coming over from being one of the best players on Nebraska's offense, stepping in. Uh, if he's, uh, is he is he all cleared and eligible to play? Are we waiting on anything for Robinson? I don't believe. Pretty sure it's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is, uh, for me, just an instant impact. Defensively, I feel like we're missing. I mean, we were spoiled. We were spoiled for a little bit, but... I don't really see, like, dynamic pass rushers. I mean, I, I just don't know if there's a, is somebody in that K- Kentucky defensive front that scares me after we were just sort of trading out elite uh, Kentucky edge players, it seemed like, for about three or four seasons. So as we look ahead to the Wildcats, I don't see enough to make me think this is going to be anything other than a really, really, really tough out. You know, a high floor, low ceiling, going to be competitive, going to stick to the identity. Is there any anything that's leading you all to, uh, to think that it might be anything but, or other th- than that, and uh, and what might we learn this spring that would point to it?
1: I, I think it's the same question we've had with Kentucky for the last few years, and it's what are you going to get from the QB position? Because if if you look at this team in recent seasons, when it's had success and when it hasn't, the defense has generally been solid, and yes, Chip, you're right, there really isn't the kind of known name edge-rushing kind of player on this defense for everybody right now. But I think that since he's come there, Mark Stoops and that defense – they've done a good job of developing guys. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see somebody emerge in that role in the defense, I expect to be pretty solid. They've been good on special teams, but the question for the Wildcats has always been their offensive ceiling. And that's mostly been due to being the quarterback position where like, there's a very good argument that the best quarterback Kentucky's had in the Mark Stoops era was their wide receiver who had to take the job because every other quarterback got hurt. And then just they built the entire offense around him and things worked. So I think that's where the focus for me is going to be on in the spring to see what we get there. If they can get any kind of quarterback play, because I do think that if this offense with Wandale Robinson coming in, that's a huge, a huge weapon to have competent QB play competent defense, good special teams in this division in 2021, whereas we've discussed, there's a lot of wiggle room. And I don't think Mizzou is a clear cut, you know, front runner, no doubt number three team in the division. There's a chance for that, for Kentucky to be that number three team in the division. And if things go right and they stay healthy to approach that eight, nine win level for 2021. So for me, when I look at this team, yeah, it's, It's not the kind of team where they've they've recruited well, but it's not the kind of level where you sit there and think they're going to be fine no matter who they lose because you lose some significant players. And like everybody else in the division, Kentucky loses a lot of key production at a lot of different spots. So there are questions, and we're going to see that in the spring. But to me, like I said at the top, it's all going to come back to the quarterback position because even if everything else goes well, if you don't solve that QB problem that you've had, it's not going to matter. So... I'm interested
3: in this because they they did make a change at offensive coordinator, right? And they they went ahead and brought in Liam Cohen, who was with, with, with the uh, almost said Saint Louis Rams, excuse me, the, the L.A. Rams. And I, I just don't know. This might work, but it also might not work. And Tom, you, you nailed it with the QB thing. And remember, like Will Levis doesn't even get there until the fall. Mm-hmm. And if you want somebody to throw the football, I don't know that it's Joey Gatewood. Right, and I I don't know that it's Nick Scalzo. Maybe it is. I my, my guess is that that Levi's going to make a pretty big difference there. But when he gets there, but like was Kentucky's offense? I, I just don't think this move is without risk. Right, they were a good running football team. Their identity was play pretty decent, def, pretty good defense, and they were a. Uh, below average, but not terrible offense pretty consistently. They ran the ball. They kind of complimented what their defense was doing. They didn't really score points that much, but like they didn't totally screw it up. They were usually low turnover because they did run the ball. Like they were actually good at running the ball. And I look like, clearly they, like Mark Stoops made the change because he thinks his program can be better. I don't know that it can, right? Sometimes you risk going up against your ceiling and you kind of fall back to your floor some. So I'm I'm interested to see how this works, right? If they just start trying to chuck it around and they're not good at it, do they lose their identity running the football? Will they be as good running the ball? You know, I I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not super convinced on that. Um, defensively, we talked about this a lot. Your defensive like performance ratings pretty closely track what you recruit. It is much more about height, weight, speed, and hustle than it is. You know, like on the off side, you can kind of coach your way to some points. Kentucky beat the odds year after year after year under Stoops. and It's just a hard thing to do every year. So they are going to have some years where they just don't have awesome edge rushers or, you know, guys who are, are, are beasts at safety. I, maybe they'll bounce back, but they do got to replace Boogie Watson on the edge, and that's that's not easy. I mean, maybe Jordan Wright, maybe Justice Dingle, the, the Georgia Tech transfer Um I think I like Missouri better than Kentucky so far going into spring. We'll, we'll see what we learn.
2: I do too. Uh, I think I'm back. Uh,
1: <laughs> Hello. A bit
2: frustrating. Um, with Kentucky, totally agree with everything you said. Uh, running off Eddie Grand after what he did two years ago. Remember when Lydon Bowden uh, Jr. was playing uh, you know, quarterback as a converted wide receiver and they cobbled together a pretty good offense. It almost made me wonder – And it's kind of the same lines of thinking of Tom's, hey, run the triple option thread. Like it was, um, you know, it wasn't traditional. It was something teams had to prepare for. You could run all over the place, and it was a headache for teams to prepare for. It almost makes you wonder if Kentucky is better off doing something along those lines than trying to find your traditional quarterback with a traditional system. So I do think there's some pressure um, on the offense and Liam Cohen as they're coming in there. The quarterbacks have been a complete mess. Uh, Joey Gatewood has had opportunity after opportunity. You feel like, hey, if he hasn't taken control by this point, um, then you know, there's something off. Like what maybe it's development, lack of development. Maybe he's just not the guy. So who is it going to be becomes more of a significant question. And, you know, the problem with running these quarterback competitions in the spring, and when you have multiple guys who are battling for it. You lose valuable reps. Like at Georgia, JT Daniels is getting reps that he is getting ready that he's going to know he's going to see in the fall. These, you miss out on a lot of reps because you have to balance things out. You have to give guys equal opportunity. Hey, we want to make sure we have a fair quarterback competition. And that sometimes sets you back what you want to implement offensively. So that's a challenge. I'm with you guys on Missouri over uh, Kentucky in the East.
0: So what about Bo Allen? Son of a coach from Lexington.
2: What do we think? I think we're going to go with Nick Scalzo, uh, QB1 fame from my hood, my stomping grounds, uh, Fort Lauderdale's Cardinal Gibbons. Uh, I literally at my old house, I could hear the football field on Friday nights at Cardinal Gibbons. It was like two blocks from me, Um, but he's, he's been hurt. But Bo Allen, I, that's the question mark. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like maybe he's the guy, maybe not. But I don't feel comfortable with no answer on the plate just yet.
0: Um, the Tennessee Volunteers. It's like I was Jeremy Pruitt out, Josh Heupel in. Uh, the Heupel and his staff were able to sort of keep a decent recruiting class together. And uh, you know, transfers. Hey, you know, Hendon Hooker shows up. That's uh, that's good. You know, that's some Virginia Tech quarterback. Okay, let's 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 see what's been uh, in the. Um, Out folder. Okay. Jared Garantano goes to Washington State. JT Shroud to Colorado. Eric Gray to Oklahoma. Ty Chandler to North Carolina. Brandon Johnson to UCF. Jameer Johnson to Texas A&M. Wanya Morris to Oklahoma. Key Lawrence to Oklahoma. Uh, Savon Williams to Texas A&M. DeAndre Johnson to Miami. Uh, And Henry Toto probably to rival Alabama, but none of that's official. That's just us guessing right now. And, you know, that's just your best defensive player. NBD. Goodness gracious! Like the, there. It is very hard for me to have expectations for Tennessee in year one with Josh Heupel. The
1: the number one thing on everybody's agenda in Knoxville this spring just has to be learning everybody's name. Yes. Because nobody in that building knows anybody else at this point. It's all a bunch of new faces, new players for, like, for new coaches. This spring is going to be, everybody's going to be wearing name tags. And that is going to be the number one goal is that by the end of spring practice, I'm going to be able to say, tell you what your name is without wearing that name tag. That should be the goal because there's just, it's impossible to figure out what one area or one thing you need to focus on when looking at Tennessee, just based on, all the changes, you know, the, the timing of the coach hiring, the t- the new AD coming in, a new coach coming in, new coaching staff, a bunch of players going out, a bunch of players coming in, a bunch of people that are still there that were just like had no idea what was going on or what their futures were going to be. I think that this 2021, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm approaching this year as let's just all get along, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's not have any riots, let's not have any craziness, let's just. Focus on everybody getting through, getting along, and nobody getting too seriously hurt. And then prepare ourselves for 2022. They have a couple players,
0: okay, who are okay, okay. Um, that are still I, I, on think their, their I think they're, I think they
3: yeah. I mean, I, they've not even released a roster yet, so I yeah. just had to kind of, I, I had to do this by hand today. Um, I, by the way, I, I know we had Connolly on the show. They, they got a like, they're adjusted returning experience is going to be wild once he takes out the rest of those transfers because i don't think they're going to get henry toto back and i don't think they're going to get crouch back so that that's going to be even worse um i know the guys on the Vols 24 7 podcast were joking that do you really need a linebackers coach if you only have like two scholarship linebackers so you know that that could be uh, a bit of an issue um i think you got a couple guys are okay at o-line I actually like some of the receivers who stayed. I, I I think Ramel Keaton can be a pretty nice player for them. Um, think about the positions that would stay for, for a Josh Heupel team, right? Like receiver is an obvious one because you're going to get the ball like a hell of a lot more than you would under Jeremy Pruitt's, you know, run, run, third down and long, can't protect, chuck one punt offense. Uh, so they got some decent dudes at receiver. I think they have some guys at safety who will be all right, like, and I think your D-line could be okay. The problem is the holes might just be like really, really problematic, right? I mean, to, to lose Eric Gray anti-Chandler at running back is kind of a big deal. And the linebacker spot is a big deal. And at corner, I think they are in real trouble. Um, quarterback? Like, is it Hendon Hooker, Harrison Bailey? Is Mauer? Mauer didn't transfer, right? So he's still in it. Oh yeah, then- Mauer's
0: still in it. I-, I didn't have him on my initial list, and I was doing some late, uh, some late research, and I think that he probably if if we're gonna mention Harrison Bailey, Caden Salter, Salter and Hendon Hooker, Brian Meyer probably deserves a, a mention there too because he's probably has just as good a chance.
3: Caden Salter is really good, like like really pretty special. Um, true freshman things to we'll work see. on, but yeah. yeah, like he was he was very productive at, at, at a high level of Texas ball. Um, and and has measurables and tools too, so he's got the tools and the production. That, that's a good thing.
2: Tennessee's going to be a dumpster fire this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Earlier we talked about, like earlier this, this off, year, Hy- <laughs> Hypel was hired. We were kind of like, yeah, the offense will provide a spark, but I don't even know if that I, – I just have concerns about this team. I It's been such a massive overhaul. There was such a mass exit of some players. There's still this cloud hanging over what happens. I just think they're going to be that team that – struggles mightily this year and I think Tennessee fans will have to see it as hey this is just this is take it for what it is we you know we got we got in trouble we're paying the penance for it and now we're having to deal with it and I just I wonder if you get those glimpses of Josh Heupel's high-powered offense or not and you hope you do like that's something like you'd love to see uh, you know, October 16th to get Ole Miss a 52 to 48 game. I just wonder if it's going to be 52 to 21 Ole Miss wins. And then you're like, where do we go from here? You know, it's, so I, I just think it's going to be a rough year for Tennessee.
0: South Carolina went two and eight last season. will must champ out before the end of the year. Shane Beamer hired. We had uh, an exodus to the NFL. We had South Carolina players hitting the transfer portal. Uh, I don't, we talk about the rebuilding that has to be done at Tennessee. I feel like I a lot of those names come to mind because I, I think that they were more talented players or at least more productive players. I I almost don't have the full South Carolina uh, exit list, and now I'm concerned about where we're rebuilding. Call, quarterback Colin Hill's gone. Ryan helinski transferred out. Luke Doty now the front runner. And when we're talking about what – that passing game could look like shy smith was everything for them at wide receiver. Um so with him gone that's another concern. Do y'all remember when South Carolina used to be really like stout defensively up front and like remember how excited we were about Jordan Birch? You know like you know what's what's happened to South Carolina in the trenches and what is uh Shane Beamer and what does that defensive staff do to be able to solidify that Again, we're, we're getting down here to the the bottom of the SEC East where it is bleak and you need to have long-range plans as a fan. Uh, so where where are our biggest questions here in the spring for the Gamecocks?
1: I mean, this is – you're starting over from scratch, it feels like, if you're Shane Beamer and you're taking this job. I mean, we mentioned, we've we mentioned the returning production, how every single school in this division seems to not have much. But in Connolly's rankings – Right now, South Carolina is ranked 124th overall, 102nd on offense, 102nd on defense. So they lose pretty much everything that they had last season. You look at the recruiting class for 2021, like typically if you're an SEC program, I feel like it's really hard to not finish in the top fifty. South Carolina is ranked 78th in 2021 their 2022 class and granted there's a very long way to go but it's currently ranked 53rd it was the it was the lowest ranked recruiting class in the SEC in last year's so Shane Beamer stepping into a situation where he's going to have a bunch of new faces that haven't really got a ton of experience yet doesn't have a very highly rated recruiting class because obviously it's a situation that you know it's hard to recruit when you don't know who your coach is going to be and I just don't look at this situation going into the spring. It's kind of, it's not all that different to Tennessee for me in that I feel like this spring is just going to be about learning who everybody is and figuring out who can do what, what fits what we can run and have some success with and just trying to get that very basic first step before the summer comes and the fall comes and you really kind of kick things into high gear and start preparing for the season. So yeah, like, if I'm South Carolina in 2021, I'm, I'm a Gamecocks fan. I'm, I'm showing up at williams Price. I am not expecting to see a lot of wins. I'm looking forward to that Eastern Illinois season opener because that could be our last win for a while, and that includes week two at East Carolina. I'll be the positive guy. I, I can see a little bit here.
3: Um, I Just a couple things. I, I think Bill's numbers are accurately measuring what the team brings back from last season. But you do have a couple key guys who opted out for last season. A lot of SEC schools didn't have guys opt out, but like they have some opt outs who are expected back, at least from from my Googling and, and reading the big spur. So Ortre Smith and uh, uh, Rendricus Davis are, are two dudes who are, are pretty good playmakers, at least, at least athletically. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some reacclimation period for them at the receiver spot. And that's a big deal because South Carolina only brings back 40 catches and 400 yards and two touchdowns from the receiver position from last year. Now, their offense was terrible. So, you know, like, I don't think you expect to bring back a ton, but even still, that seemed like a very low amount to bring back. So, getting those guys back, I I think, is potentially a a big deal. We we don't really know what they have in Jason Brown, the the, the FCS transfer at quarterback. Um, You know, we'll see it about Luke Doty. Last year, they were using him at receiver as well. So, I'm sure that didn't really. Uh, help his his you know growth as a quarterback. I think they're going to be pretty damn decent
0: on in the backfield,
3: oh, backfield at running back. Like, and I think the offensive line will be okay. Defensively, I'm ready to buy in a little bit on the defensive line. I think Zach Pickens could could take a nice step for them. He was a top ten player for us uh, in, in, on the twenty four seven Sports composite, and I, I think they have some some guys there who are. are are decent, right? Like not great, but, but decent and decent is plenty good enough to, to, to not finish last or second to last in this year's SC East. I, I, I think um, linebacker is probably a problem, maybe not like a Tennessee level problem, but a problem they're going to need to Scott to come in the, the, the n- number, number two, junior college linebacker in the country they signed in that 21 class uh, and, and, and probably make an impact. I would think, but like, I, I think they have better pieces than Tennessee does, right? So like I, I don't have them second to last. I think I have them sort of my power ratings like third to last in the East.
0: Is that the, the same for you, Tom? That if we're ordering these, that we're taking all the three new coaches and in our sort of mental shifting power rankings, we're throwing them at the bottom, and no one's going to get higher than Kentucky, and uh, right now Tennessee is behind South Carolina.
1: Yeah, but honestly, I think that when we're going to get to Vandy here in a minute, I, I don't think there's that large of a gap between any of those three teams in 2021. So we're kind of talking like some, in a way, coin flip scenarios. Like if somebody wins the game, it could launch them into fifth place. You know what I mean? The Vander- I'm excited to talk some Vandy.
0: The Vanderbilt Commodores made one of the most uh, sensible head coaching hires Uh, in, in all of college football, you go and you get Clark Lee, somebody who's just done, uh, he's done it at so many different levels. He's been so consistent, has a great vision, great connection to the program, very sensible hire, good hire, just absolutely bewildering general manager hire of Barton Simmons. Didn't understand it. Blindsided me, (laughs) caught me off guard entirely, but. We'll, we'll see his, his impact on this roster is, is probably more as, as, you know, just trying to, you know, be a good sounding board. Uh, you know, he's also trying to make sure that the future is put together, that they do good with a evaluation. And so I feel like we'll continue to see his impact in the, in the seasons to come for this fall. Uh, I, I feel like I don't know. Um, I don't know specifically, we know, Ken Seals is is the quarterback to to note, and it seems to be that that's going to be the the plan. I don't know what the, like, scheme or what our offensive uh, approach is with this team. I assume that because we're Clark Lee, we're switching from a Derek Mason 3-4 to something that's going to be a little more traditional. But, I mean, I wouldn't put it past uh, Lee to be doing some, you know, mixed formations. Hey, everyone's multiple and everyone's aggressive. You know, let's go back and tick off a couple more off the bingo board. But I, I think that you know if we can get anything from from out of Vanderbilt spring practice, it's trying to get a better sense of what the identity of this team is.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be the one thing that I'm paying more attention to than anything. I, th- I think you're right about what the defense is probably going to look like if just judging off of the way that Notre Dame's defenses ran under Lee, and then even with you know Elko, who Lee coached under and kind of inherited from. They are defensively like they're a 3 4, but they're a 4 3, and they're a 3, 3 5. And there's, you know, it's, it's really dependent on sub packages and what they want to do. That's why, like, you see certain players that are playing linebacker and safety seemingly at the same time in those defenses. So I think we're probably going to see an attempt to that. I don't know if they can get there right away in year one, but if there is any, you know, maybe a silver lining, it is they. Vandy does lose a lot of production on the defensive side. So maybe some guys that are on that roster aren't as certainly married or, you know, pegged into a certain role and will be able to adapt in different spots offensively there's they're ranked 50th overall in the nation in returning production on offense. So I think that gives them a bit of a step up. I think Ken seals as a freshman last year had his good moments, had his bad moments. And I think that you hope that he takes a natural progression and gets better offensively as a quarterback. But again, I don't know exactly what the offense is going to look like in 2021, what we're looking to run. Don't have anybody on that staff. I could text and ask at least I used <laughs> to, but that they don't answer my texts anymore. They're, they're, they're big time at us. And I, I I think that, like I mentioned, we were talking about Tennessee and South Carolina. I wouldn't be that shocked if, if Vandy can win the Tennessee game, and I think that that's a very winnable game. This is a team that I think could get a couple SEC wins in 2021 just based on the fact that the rest of this division, outside the two teams at the top, isn't looking like it's going to be very good. So there's a lot of room for maneuvering. So I think this spring... The main focus will be on just figuring out what the plan is, who's going to be what, who's going to do where, introducing yourself, figuring out what you have. And then we'll probably have a better idea of what the team's going to actually look like come the fall.
3: I, there, I just have so many questions about this Vanderbilt team. I, I don't know where to start, right? So, I mean, last year, if you look at their kind of postgame win expectancy, it was single digits or zero in all but one of their games. And even the one it wasn't was Mississippi state 18%. Like we know that Vanderbilt was playing at a, a level of scholarships on a weekly basis. That was Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. uh, That a lot of other leagues would have canceled the games for. And indeed some of their games did get canceled eventually. Um, I just don't like, this is one of the, the prime examples I think of like when we were talking to Bill on that episode about a month ago, how much stock do you put in the last season? Is that real? Because if so, they can improve a lot and still be the worst team in the SEC by a huge margin, right? Like there were 120th in SP Plus last year. We only had like 126 teams playing because three or four didn't play. UConn won in, the national the championship. Country. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, UConn's on fancy schedule. Do you guys have a good feel for who does like for which of the opt outs are back? No, no. Because no. I don't either. Like I can't find it, mm. and I've, I've been looking. And I, I I'm actually uh, scheduled to talk to Robbie Weinstein. Uh, who, who runs our, our Vanderbilt site, and and I, I don't even think Vanderbilt has put this information out so far, at least not that I could find. So, um, not knocking his coverage or the coverage of any of the Vandy media out there. Just this is, I don't have a good feel for what this this team is going to be entering spring because I don't know who's back, and I don't know like some of these guys might be pretty okay or pretty decent but they didn't get to show it because they were playing with a bunch of dudes who were sort of like walk-on level at times last year, right? I, this is probably the biggest wild card in the division.
0: See, I want to be really honest with our listeners and and give uh, a first impression that I really I'm I'm very curious and that I don't know and that if if I had just read to you whatever Barton's PR pitch was about how great all these guys were that wouldn't be honest right that wouldn't be us really giving you what our thoughts are. No, we have texted with Barton recently, but it was about Brian Van Gorder getting a high school football job. <laughs> and and if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, I think that you would be happy to know that we weren't trying to get um the easy answers or or whatever the like inside the staff pr pitch was to hype up the players and we wanted to make sure that we were talking about finding ways that we could bet against brian van gorder in high school football <laughs> um yeah it's it is uh I, I think tom the my my sort of strong point here uh is is Thinking like I'm coming back to what you said earlier, which is don't separate Vanderbilt from South Carolina and Tennessee.
1: Yeah, and I'll just, let's take it. To what Barton said in his last appearance on the show was like, just in year one. Probably going to, you know, Vanderbilt's going to be a team that you you kind of look at and think that, you know, you're just going to beat. He, when he was making the plea for people to make Vandy their number two team, he's like, in year one, there's going to be, might be some rough times, but hopefully in year two, three, or four, Vandy becomes a team where, you know what, they can't be your number two team anymore because now they're starting to beat your number one team. So I think that's kind of the approach that everybody should be taking with the Commodores this spring and into 2021 anyway.
0: Yeah, let's cover some spreads. Vanderbilt football 2021.
3: I do think offensively they're probably gonna throw the ball around a lot more mm-hmm. than they did because they, they they hired and forgive me, I forgot the guy's name here on my sheet, but he, he worked for he worked for Kingsbury. So uh, my guess is some air raid principles there. I'm interested to see if they go I just I have a hunch here. This is not me talking to Barton, but I have a, I wonder if they try to go sort of like jumbo air raid. You can get a lot of tight end types at Vanderbilt. Um that, that would be just something unique and a little bit different. Yeah, David Ray. David Ray, there we go
0: is that like they get the 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 high school basketball players and just sort of like get them who are smart who like play who like went to a really good prep school maybe and then you can get them in yeah. there and just be like, yeah, we can we can teach this guy how to play tight ends. You know, we can teach Private him how to Schools get up
3: there. in Atlanta, Nashville, Charlotte. They they do put out a decent number of tight ends relative to other positions. So you, you gotta know where, where your your uh, recruiting base
1: is and, and what they produce. So and many we've, six we've three seen. guys
0: that have tried to fight me in bars in Charlotte.
1: <laughs> we, we've <laughs> seen tight ends become more and more important in offenses as defenses kind of have evolved to try to cover like all these spread in these air raids. Big body tight ends that can move going against linebackers that can't really tackle them are becoming somewhat of a, you know, a a prized commodity.
0: Free advice, Barton. You can pass it on to David Ray. We got you here on the Cover 3 podcast. Coming up later in the week, we're going to turn our attention to the SEC West, so make sure you're subscribed to that. Make sure you follow and stream us on Spotify and join our cover three bracket game compete against us I've given you the answers to the test you can find my pick somewhere else and you can go pick against them or you can follow them because you know that they're so genius the way that they were cobbled together 30 minutes after the selection show revealed the bracket follow it along join our game compete against us uh, get a chance to win a prize you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell you can follow him at Elliott 3 you can follow him Danny! Somewhere off in the internet land uh, at Danny Canell. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
1: Pick Illinois or I will pee on your door. Got
4: it. Okay.